This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello. In person. Hello, Sailor. Hello, Sailor. Oh, my God. We're here. You're like in three dimensions now. I'm not just like 2D on my screen. Wait a minute. Is this... <laughs> <laughs> we are all together. Guess I don't need these. Um, and we are in Chicago. Well, Evanston to be specific. Chicago represent... We're at the home of, with my two Chicago guys, the home of few sleeping whiskey barrels. Go Cubs. Go Cubs, go Hawks. Oh, boy. Go Sox. That's not even the residue. You can cheer that like the wrong Sox. You're fine. No one feels bad for you anymore. <laughs> no, I know. It's true. So uh, welcome, guys. I just I'm driving across the country and thought it would be really fun. I always stop through and see Ed when I'm near the area, and I got in touch with Paul so we got to get together and do this in person. Good stuff. And I was excited to see the distillery, which we saw earlier today, yep. uh, where the magic is made. And then this is the second part where everything sleeps and gets really delicious. Yep. So maybe we should give an official introduction to uh, Paul since Probably. some of our Viewers and listeners probably aren't aware of who he is Smart. at this point. I'm Smart. just a guy. <laughs> so this is Paul Letko, and he is the founder of Few Spirits. If you do not know Few, you need to get to know this amazing brand and um, their delicious spirits. I'm a big fan of the bourbon and the American whiskey and the breakfast gin. And um, you're also, you have won this year even more Icon of Whiskey Awards than you did last year. Yeah. We were together last year for the Actually, Icon Awards. Actually, uh, yesterday was the anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, it was. Showed yeah, up on my Facebook as like, hey, one year ago today, Mike. Oh, that we was a good night. in person with him. Yeah. Like, we're all breathing on each other. Yeah. Remember those that. days? Oh, we could all God. get together without wearing these things on our faces. Well, and, and... We, we were all shoved in this gorgeous bar in New York City, but I mean, I was sweating. Were, and were you there afterwards, the bar you went to after? No, because we went to dinner. We That's right, so dinner. a bunch of us went out to the bar afterwards, and there was a table about this size of like 10 people, and there was a guy sitting like right over here who actually ended up, it turned out he was the guy who owned the bar, and so out of this group of 10 people, uh, the owner died of COVID six weeks later. What? The no. guy who was like sitting basically right here I was on a ventilator for two weeks and survived. Uh, Lisa was like right here, and she was down and out for about a month. She survived. Um, It was like this one night, like it was a group of like 10 people, and somebody died. One guy survived the ventilator. It's like the closest I've been to COVID, even a year later. Yeah, that's crazy. Like this crazy small group. And oh my god. Everybody got sick except me. 
Yeah, so far. Let, let's hope it stays the closest you get. Yes, please. Sure. It's been a, it's, it'll be a year um, since, well, Washington State got locked down very soon, and yeah. we haven't gotten it knock on with unless, again, unless we have, we speculated, my husband and I, that he had it actually in November. Um, all the symptoms were exactly like it. We didn't know what it was yet. And then thinking about we were flying all over the country mm -hmm. right before and sitting in Seattle when we got word that everything was being shut down. No, I was in Vegas. Uh, I was in New York. I was in Vegas. I was in Atlanta. I was in Arizona all in the six, eight weeks before lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, my name's Paul. I'm the founder and distiller at Few Spirits. We're sitting in our barrel warehouse. Uh, for Metal Rock and Whiskey, Heck which yeah. is kind of fitting because uh, the camera is currently resting on a Marshall stack, which is about the most Metal Rock and Whiskey thing you can have. I'll get a picture, yeah. we'll get sure. a picture. I wish yeah. everyone could see it, but yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, it's, a, it's a 212 cab, so I know everybody's going to go, oh, you need two 410s, but we're not going to worry about that. It's a 212 cab. You're fine. Simmer down. <laughs> Simmer down. So Slow your roll if you're out there going, ah, oh, it's not a 410. You're fine. Simmer down. Speaking of Marshall stacks, um, not only do you own a distillery, and are you how how many years are you going on now with you? Uh, so we are about to celebrate our tenth birthday this year. Wow! Uh, been distilling longer than that, of course, because we make whiskey. But uh, we always measure everything by when we first sold things, because until you sell something, it's a hobby. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, there you sure. go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so we launched in August of 2011, so that's when we measure our birthday by. Very and cool. so super excited. We got some cool stuff coming out this year, including a uh, really nice 10th anniversary bourbon that we're super excited about. Mm. Um, that'll probably hit the market in September. Uh, and then we've got a, another big metal band collab coming out. Uh, not sure when, because we're still working on the labeling, but. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully this summer we'll be able to get that out because it's a really cool whiskey we developed. Together. And we'll get an exclusive, of course, right? <laughs> we'll do our best. I don't know about exclusive. <laughs> you heard it first here, but not really first, but maybe first. Uh, but no, it's it's a really it's a really fun band, um, and the whiskey is fantastic. So we're super excited about it. Well, I know the whiskey will be fantastic. That uh, yeah. goes without saying, but uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who the mystery band is. I think I okay. know who it is. Oh, it's a Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I oh, okay. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been really fun. Uh, Robert, who's kind of, uh, well, it's a three-piece band, so there's not too many people in it, yeah. but uh, he's kind of one of the core three, because you know, there's three of them. Uh, but he's been real active, and we've been, it's been really fun working and developing the whiskey and then developing the label. Because uh, he's, he's a good dude, mm -hmm. super cool, super chill. Um, Amazing music. They're, really one, of, they're one of my top bands. I mean, I, I absolutely love their music. So, yeah. so how did this collaboration come about? Did you contact them? They contact you? How, how did it all? I think a lot of this kind of ends up being friends of friends and friends. Okay. Uh, things kind of spin around. As we all know, the whiskey business itself is pretty small. Sure. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we've done some you know music collaborations in the past as i know you guys both know but you know worked with allison chains we've worked with the flaming lips uh we've worked with bloodshot records we've worked with sarah shook and the disarmers uh we've worked with bloodshot records i think five different times four times five times and so you know we've kind of picked up a little bit of reputation out there that you know this is stuff we do yeah yeah and yeah. so uh bands you know friends you know friends know and friends connect and you know, it worked out. You know, we've had plenty of opportunities that have not worked out. 
and you know, still cracks me up the bands that I've said no to because uh, I can't believe I ever said no to them. But yet here we are. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty more opportunities in the future. It's cool to see this uh, yeah. regular, uh, if you could do regular release, kind of something to look forward to, you know, for yeah. your uh, your fans out there. Yeah, sure. it's, it's fun, and I think it really helps to spread the kind of news of whiskey and craft whiskey outside of oh, yeah. the hardcore whiskey nerds. You can kind of move and stretch out uh, and get people to be familiar with what you're doing, which is mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, we yeah. you know we love what we do. We're really excited about what we do. You know, we love making whiskey and putting it in a bottle every day. Uh, but it's also exciting to be able to share that with more and more people and new people mm -hmm. and get people to share that same excitement we have for whiskey. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they weren't that excited about whiskey beforehand, and maybe this is what brings them into the world of whiskey. Is Oh, I'm a huge fan of Black Little Motorcycle Club. I got to try that bottle. Yeah. Oh, wait, I really actually like this. This is yeah. really cool. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. And you can kind of play around and you can expand your horizons. For sure. Uh, and then, of course, the reverse is true, too, that, you know, people who like whiskey might go Black Little Motorcycle Club. What's that? Yeah. Let me check that out. Yeah. Oh, shit. I like that. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Absolutely. It works both ways. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think, um, I think what's really interesting watching Blackened Whiskey if you don't know, is Metallica's uh, brand. Watching how that unfolds, what I pay attention to most are comments on social media. And I, the, I'm i still so amazed by how many people are like, oh, I bought this whiskey because I really love Metallica. I was never a whiskey drinker. I really like this whiskey. And every time I'm like, ding, yep. this is hopefully, from being in the perspective in the whiskey business, what I hope for when I see bands um, you know, and we know now it wasn't just a novelty thing, which makes mm -hmm. me really happy, you know, with Black Whiskey in specific, and they have one of the best distillers, uh, again, on board. Yeah, Rob's awesome. Rob's amazing, but I love reading those comments, and that's still the majority of comments, so they're, yeah. what, three years in now, and they're still bringing in new fans to whiskey, American Bring whiskey. Bring people whiskey. It's yeah, great. it's fantastic. I love that, and that's, that's what we all hope for, so. Mm -hmm. But you come from the music industry industry for a while yeah no we've uh at least i've tried to be in the music industry for a long time but i was a pro guitar player for a hot minute i uh, actually met my wife when i was a pro guitar player so that's how i know she loves me because <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what they call a guitarist without girlfriends oh what almost <laughs> that's so true uh, it's so true um i can watch for that person uh, but uh you know it's music has really been one of the things that really it's been with me since I can remember, you know, since I was an early kind of teenager and I found the guitar and kind of lost myself in playing music for many years. Um, you know, metal is what spoke to me when I was that kid. It's really, you know, music has, has been a part of my life and has continued to be a part of my life and you know, will continue to be a part of my life uh, for a long time, hopefully because it means a lot. And so, you know, promise I'm not very good at it, but uh, it doesn't mean I don't love it. Sure. And, I don't uh, think you have to be good at it. To you don't have to. You you can, have to. You, my Marshall sack this is sitting on, so ha ha. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's important. And so it's that creativity, and I think there's a lot in common between music and whiskey or spirits in general, because they're all creative processes. Yes. Yep. And For sure. And they take a long time to develop. Yep. And there's many key factors to it. 
you know, you can't, it's, it's not just the distiller, you right. know, it's, just not, like it's not just the singer. You it's know? not just the singer, it's not just the equipment, it's yep. not just the song, yep. it's, you yep. know, everything has to be humming. You know, there's so much, you know, if there's a great band, there's so much going on behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with whiskey. Yeah. For, a great, for there to be a great whiskey, there's an awful lot going on behind the scenes with a hell of a team uh, with everybody from, of course, the distillers, but also the farmers and the bottlers and the truck drivers that drive everything around and the salespeople and the marketers and the retailers and the bars and the bartenders someday. Um, there's so many parallels you can make. Because yeah. you said something, it just kind of triggers something in my, my head. Um, I, I suppose a live show could be something of like a comparison to to making a whiskey. The terroir, it's like the, the venue, yeah. the vibe can make a great show or can make the show suck. In mm -hmm. the same way with whiskey, you could have a bad barrel, you could have a bad um, environment for aging. So many different factors come into whether your show is great or your whiskey is great or everything matters and so and at the end of the day music and whiskey aside from the fact there's somewhat some there are some similarities they go really well they together. Go really yes well together. they do yeah and i think it's i think also just just to beat this on the head the last time you know a great whiskey maker can make something incredible out of poor conditions and i think about prince his super bowl performance <laughs> in the rain you know, singing, dancing, playing guitar in high heels. And it was one of the coolest Super Bowl performances I've ever seen. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. I think it's very similar with, um, especially with craft distilleries, you know, and, and craft producers do not get enough credit for the beautiful spirits that come out of your distilleries with conditions that sometimes are really difficult and <laughs> you don't have the best of the best and you don't have extra time or extra money or people or you know, access to all these amazing things that the big distilleries have, and yet you can come out with award-winning whiskey. No, yeah, I mean, we, it's really hard work putting out craft whiskey. It's really hard work putting out craft spirits, but it's partially that's what it feels to me is that it's, yes, it's hard, and it's challenging. That's why it's rewarding, and it's mm -hmm. interesting. If it was easy, everybody would do it, and yeah. as we sit and watch craft whiskey these days, yeah, everybody is trying to do it, um, but it's really freaking hard and that's why it makes it rewarding. You don't get in this business to make money. That's the, <laughs> the number one thing that people don't realize. I used to start off my tasting saying that and I found myself saying that a lot in the past two years working for Uncle Nearest, you know, Fawn didn't start this distillery to make money because the invest upon investment alone, by the time you actually see money. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing, so you have to love it. It has to be a passion, and then the mm -hmm. rest will come. Yeah, you have to care. You have to want to do this really oh, badly. Yeah. You make a lot more money doing something else, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I would. That brings up a good point I like to uh, point out to people, and, and I'm guilty of this um, in the past, is you walk into a liquor store and you see a bottle of craft bourbon that's four years old next to a bottle of you know, your, your large mass produced bourbon that may be 12 years old. And you think, why would I pay more for the craft that's four year than I do the bottle of 12 year? Well, there's a good reason for that. This stuff, like, like Paul was saying, is handcrafted. There's a lot of care and love put into it. Um, he might obsess over the flavors, the blending, 
for and to get it just right. So the product, you got to look at the product you get at the end. Don't look at the age statements. Sample bottle. And you're going you're gonna to taste the care and the blood, the sweat, and the tears that went into that bottle. Um, and and that's what really counts at the end. And the fact that, you know, you, most, you know, most crop distillers are using locally sourced grains. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is done by hand. You know, some, a lot do hand labeling still. Um, you know, like, yeah, like you said, you know, you do everything. It's, it's grain to glass, and that's, it does make a difference in flavor. It does. And it also makes a difference in our economy. If we want to stabilize the American economy, we need American manufacturing again. We need our agriculture to survive. Spirits is a great way to make sure that that happens. And, and <laughs> you know, supporting your small spirits brands is a great way to make sure that and we have coopering again in the United States. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, people just, I was just talking about this recently, people not realizing I went through a few states and gave them the dates on when you could legally manufacture alcohol again. And people were blown away by how recent it was in so many states. You know, um, it's it's so important to, I think, the history of the United States, and it's important to our economy. So there's a, yeah, it's it, a it lot matters. more than the age statement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously age matters. It's not the only thing, but especially after COVID, I think people are really starting to understand that it's important to support the things that you think are important. Mm -hmm. If you think it's important to have distillers that are not one of the seven legacy distillers, mm -hmm. you have to actually buy their products. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you think it's important that we have American farmers growing corn, well, we need to be using American corn. If you think yeah. it's, you know, if you think all these things are important, you have to put your money where your mouth is because you know there are people like me and people like you and you know, people like all of us that are putting our money where our mouth is and you know we're out here making whiskey every day we do it in a, we do it in a way that costs a decent amount of money because we don't have the economies of scale we don't have a lot of things but i mean we american grains we use american truckers we hire american people uh we just you know all of our glass bottles are made in america now uh, everything we do is as close to home as we can get it. And I think that's important to a lot of people. It is very important. It's spend intentionally. You know, if you're going to manufacture intentionally, mm -hmm. then you expect your consumers to also spend and consume intentionally. And if we all did that, I mean, one of my friends in Seattle owns a company called The Intentionalist. And that is her mission, to teach people how to spend intentionally mm -hmm. and how it benefits you back by benefiting your local economy, your local community. I mean, it's just, it's it's how I think it's supposed to work. And I hope that COVID, I think I agree with you, it's going to be a push to getting back to that, people really paying attention to, you know, oh, I want to support. I can remember years ago, people saying, oh, God, it's such a shame that little restaurant down the street was so cute, it closed. Yeah. And I would say, because I've been a small business owner, did oh, you did go you in? go there? And they're oh, you know, we never got to go there. It was there for three years. And you didn't go? And then you're shocked that it, it closed. closed. I, have a, <laughs> I have a friend that used to have, she closed it for other reasons, but uh, she had a little kid's clothing store that sold really nice, expensive kid's clothing. Mm -hmm. And people would literally, roughly once a week, stop by to say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you exist. I was just on my way to Target to go buy some clothes for my kid, and I wanted to stop by and say thank you for being here. And you're like, well, 
if you want to say thank you for being here, the best way to do that is to not go to Target to buy right. the kids' clothes there. Right. <laughs> so when it closes, understand that it's there. Like, I mean, especially we've lost a lot of restaurants this year. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me sad. And I'm like, oh, you know whose fault that is that it closed? Yep. It's my fault. Yep. And some of them are yep. places that they don't like, so it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yep. But you don't really want to see anybody go out of business. Yep. Well, and, there's a few. I'd like to see you out of business. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, a special chicken place I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. going out of business. <laughs> but, and, you know, all that even said, it doesn't even mean you have to spend that much money. No. You know, like yeah. a bottle of few is about 45 bucks. Yeah. It's really not that expensive. You're yeah. not you're, you're not saying, oh, spend $200 a bottle on whiskey. Yeah. yeah it's 45 bucks. Yeah. That's pretty much what whiskey costs. Yeah. And even for a few, it's not uncommon. I'll see it as low as 35 yeah. which is... That's what whiskey costs. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think that intentional and you know working with part of the economic system, I think it matters and yeah, people are noticing. It does matter. And you know, I just came from a really small city in Washington State that's uh, its identity is changing over the past couple of years, which has been interesting as people are fleeing the big cities, getting priced out of Seattle and mm-hmm. Portland and California. They're going to a small mountain city like Spokane. And Spokane's right on the border of northern Idaho, and it's been very conservative and very Republican. You have a lot of those crazy militias that, you know, <laughs> actual Nazi organizations that have actually come from there, which I didn't know that until I moved there. Um, and, and you know, you've got diversity now, a little bit coming sure. in, and you've got, th- you know, things are changing, and you can see it's like a very uncomfortable thing happening, and COVID happens, and... Um, it was a Chick-fil-A was about to, it was, had already been planned, of course, years ago to open. And it just happened to open at the end of summer during COVID. And people were posting pictures online. They were beside themselves that there was a line of cars. They had to get police because it was out into the highway to get to this. People were waiting two hours in line to go through to drive through Chick-fil-A. So all the small business owners are screaming on social media, like, are you kidding me? Not only is our sandwich twice the size, it's cheaper, and we've been offering to deliver it to your house for almost a year now, and you're going to sit in line for two hours at Chick-fil-A. So it was really interesting, and I mean, to me, I'm not surprised. I'm like, well, of course, duh. I mean, welcome to America. Unfortunately, this is the bullshit we've been doing for a very long time. And so I'm just watching it play out, and I'm watching how the restaurants are handling, how consumers are going, oh, well, I didn't know you had a chicken sandwich. You don't care if they have a chicken sandwich. You're going to go to Chick-fil-A anyway. Sure. But watching this community have to educate itself. Like, oh, wait was, a second. Yes, was very, very interesting. And all of a sudden, all the small restaurants are posting our chicken special of the week. Come here, yeah. the not Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich and all of this. Absolutely, it really incredible, but super like tied into just... It's just a lack of understanding. And I just want to stop by and say thanks. I'm really great. glad you're here. I was on my way to Chick-fil-A, and I just really want to say thank you. Thank really you glad for you're here. Sandwich. That's great. I see that it's cheaper and bigger, but cool. You keep cool. doing that. Yeah, really proud. Thank, thank you for being here. Yeah. It's really, really glad to see you're open. I just wanted to go get some waffle fries at Chick-fil-A. Welcome to America. Which, yeah, yeah, I love Chick-fil-A. It's a great sandwich. but That place sucks. It can burn for all I care. I got actually put in Twitter jail for two days. For telling Ted Cruz that he should go choke on a chicken Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. I, yeah, that. Have you seen some of the shit on Twitter? I was like, I was literally fighting actual Nazis, <laughs> like actual Nazis on Twitter. It took me two weeks to get their accounts taken down, but I tell Ted Cruz to choke on a Chick Fil A, and I'm banned from Twitter for two.
you did. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, this has been our, our PSA. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Our um, support your small businesses. Hey, we get to They're do this. Because <laughs> it's my show, damn it. I can Her show. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's the boss. Oh, you're the boss, too. No, she's the boss. Well, <laughs> I mean, he has editing power, so he's kind of the side. I'm just a guy that's <laughs> true. I, I can cut stuff out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he has the power to edit me. So does my husband. The editor is um, the most powerful person. Yeah, him, he does sound, and my husband does video. So the two of them, which they got together, do that. <laughs> So let's talk about music while we're here for a little bit, Perfect. shall we? Yeah. All right. So um, it's been a really long time, I think, since it's been a while since we first had you on the show. Yeah. Almost a year. Pretty soon. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it was like April or something. And then we did. Uh, was it December? We did another one. We did. Uh-huh. A, yeah, we did. Uh, November, December. Album covers. That was a fun. That, yeah, was, that fun. was super fun. <laughs> that, was, that was actually. We could have gone on forever yeah. and ever. There's some bad album five covers. Parts, yeah. But um, let's talk about, it's been a long time since Ed and I, like as main hosts, have talked about our roots, our music roots. And we've got a lot of new um, viewers and listeners, which is awesome these days. So, Paul, why don't you start off, what got you into music? Like, what are you, when you look back, what is your soundtrack to your, to growing up? I mean, I think, uh, you know, growing up, I wasn't exposed to all that much music. And then kind of junior high, high school, I found metal. Um, Metallica, Scorpions, um, Motley Crue, Rat, Maiden, um, you know, a lot of the big giant names of metal. I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just a you know, hillbilly kid from a farm town in Michigan. And uh, for whatever reason, it really spoke to me. And, that I discovered that I was a really dorky, unathletic kid. And uh, girls were never going to like me because I couldn't hit a ball or catch a ball or do any of that. Uh, but uh, maybe they'd like me if I played guitar. <laughs> Smart. Uh, so that worked. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, mean, I think so. all throughout high school, I think I was just really a huge metalhead. Going into college, I discovered the Grateful Dead, and uh, turned into a major deadhead. <laughs> the bane of my existence. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm a huge deadhead. I know this about you already. Um, I still like you. I, I wear it on my sleeve. It's okay. I know. I know I'm supposed to be embarrassed, but I'm not. Uh, but you know, it's just always kind of been there. Music is there. It's like whiskey, right? Music's there when you're happy. Music's there when you're sad. Music's there when you're hanging out with friends. Music's there when you're alone, um, early in the morning, late at night. I mean, there's, you know, there's music that is going to fit whatever you need at that moment. Um, quiet backdrop, noisy backdrop, uh, everything from you know the quiet reflection with headphones and you know with acoustic, uh, you know, acoustic singer songwriter, where you're just really alone and very deeply personal to. You know, stadiums, the hands in the air, throwing horns. Um, I, I think it's, I just kind of fell in love with it. And the cool thing is now my kids are getting into music, and so I'm watching them have a lot of the same progression that I did, mm-hmm. uh, including even my youngest daughter uh, recently stole one of my guitars uh, the same way I stole my dad's guitar when I was her age. That's pretty cool. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Is there, when you look back, 
because I know I have a specific memory. Is there one particular band or album that you have a specific memory, Young, as kind of your gate, your first gateway, either album or song or band? Oh, uh, probably have to be either Screaming in the Night by Crocus. Oh, nice. Uh, possibly uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane, Storks. Good one. Um, and then, uh, you know, really kind of, those really kind of shook me to the core. Uh, and of course, you know, Stairway to Heaven was huge, mm -hmm. and it wasn't, it was still probably overplayed back then, but not to my, not to my 14-year-old. Yeah. Head, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is amazing! Yeah. <laughs> and it is amazing, it just gets a little yeah. much. Until you drive, I think it's not played out yet. Unless right. you're in a place with the radio. And as a kid, you don't have the radio in all day. Like, you would at work. So I yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think that just kind of always really spoke to me. And of course, Michigan, uh, you can't go to Michigan and not love Seeger or the Nuge. Um, it's, it's actually legally mandated, I think. <laughs> I can see that. Wango <laughs> Tango. Oh. Wango Tango! <laughs> You know, we can all talk about Nugent and his oh, politics, and yeah. we'll just leave that out. He's another guy that can choke on a Chick-fil-A. But, but he can uh, rock out. However, oh, he can rock out. Fuck. The Wango's Tango continues to rock. <laughs> Stranglehold continues to rock. Uh, oh, you can't deny the talent, though. You can you know, maybe cringe a little bit with the guy. Yeah. And what about you? Not me. Um, music has always been in the background in my life. Fortunately, my mother um, always played music in the house. She had a record collection, and she listened to a lot of, like, black gospel music okay. and stuff, like Andre Crouch and Maranatha Band, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, she also had a, a, a Debbie Boone album, You Will Light Up My Life, I remember. She would yeah. play all the time. Yeah. Nice. That was a great hair. Oh, and yeah, song. I could probably at one point in my life or you know sing every song yeah. in order off that album. It got played so much. But uh, yeah, later on, I'm trying to think. The first album I actually went out and purposely bought with my own money. It was a cassette tape, of course, at that time. And I'm almost a little embarrassed to say it, but uh, it was the Xanadu soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Don't be embarrassed. But that was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was the tubes on there, yeah, Loving yeah. It and John. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that was my first. I would play that on my little tape deck. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one with the, the buttons yep. pushed down yep. on the, <laughs> the <laughs> little handle. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's the power of music, too, right? And the second you said Xanadu, Sam and I both instinctively went, <laughs> and I never really thought about this too, but actually that was like around the time I I, I began uh, my love for recording uh, because me and my friends, we would always, uh, you know, put our tapes in and just record ourselves talking yeah, and doing yeah. just doing Same. stupid crap. Yeah. And they were like, really cool. So that's that where I released this, yep. this whole thing really yep. started. <laughs> Same. So I think I was like seven. And then when I started recording, yeah, we did the same thing, and I would hide it under the couch and like tape record my parents fighting. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to record like house life. I don't yeah, know, I was at seven. But yeah, Xanadu was like more like late grade school, um, and I think it was it was middle school, probably eighth grade, where I discovered Def Leppard. 
Ooh. And Def Lat changed my, changed my life. Pyromania. Right there. Pyromania album, oh, yeah. 1983. Uh, listening to that album, and it, it's been down the rabbit hole yep. ever since. Rat, Scorpions, uh, Twisted Sister. Good thing Matt's not here. Freaking out uh, uh, Poison. <laughs> yeah, I, I got into the, the hair metal uh, seriously back then. Unfortunately, I, I didn't discover Metallica until... A little bit later in life till I hit college, but um, yeah, that whole opened up a whole another another layer for me once I did that. I went and, to I went to elementary school with Jason Newkid's sister, which was my claim to fame. Oh really? Oh really? Oh wow! So I was at his homecoming show, his first show back up in Michigan. And people oh were my going God. nuts because he grew up and he grew up like probably 15 minutes from where he was playing. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking Metallica. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Hometown kid made good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I had a, what was it? Uh, Cindy Crawford's younger sister, Danielle, was in my class in high school. So right. that's my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not really a thing to do music, but you're bringing up, you know, going to high school with people who are related to other famous people. So, so yeah, but that's uh, that's basically my roots in a, in a nutshell right there. How about you, Sayla? So I have a specific memory. I also grew up with a ton of music. My dad was a big rocker and metalhead for his day. My mom was a big Zeppelin fan. So I always, and she also loved um, Santana would be playing in the house all the time. And she was pretty fucking, she was a disco girl forever. And, you know, so I grew up on Michael Jackson before he was, you know, Jackson 5 and you know, all that stuff, but also a lot of, you know, she liked cream and she liked, um, yeah, I just remember a lot of my, my stepdad or my, my dad was big into Sabbath and cream as well. So, and my mom would tell me these stories about, she actually dated his roommate. It was her high school boyfriend, but he was a year ahead of her. So when he would go, she would go up to upstate New York from the city to visit her boyfriend, he had this crazy roommate who would be like climbing up on top of the refrigerator and like jumping off to like the certain point of song. <laughs> That's my father. He ends up oh, having a child with that guy. <laughs> I mean, thank God, but I don't know what her choice is. Um, so I remember specifically being at a friend's house and hearing um, it was Blizzard of Oz and being like, what is this? And she was like making out her boyfriend and then my other friend was doing something so I was kind of like, I would end up getting like lost in the corner and I would always go through people's records and, you know, I'm, I'm like the DJ because they're all doing whatever. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, I looked at the cover. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I was like, I'm going to put it on and see what it's like. And I just was mesmerized. It's like a very specific memory. And I had to find out who this guy was. And I didn't have anything to write down. So I had to just remember Blizzard Oz. And I kept asking friends and nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. And then finally, my best friend who lived one house down from me, her older brother is responsible, and he's been talking about a lot on the show, introducing me to everything. I asked him, and of course he knew. He said, oh, that's Ozzy Osbourne. And I'm like, oh, I have to get that. And then um, through through that, I found Iron Maiden. I found same thing, Def Leppard, Scorpius, all, all that stuff, Rad, everything. And the funniest thing is that, it's funny now, it was funny then, when my mother would go through these spells where she would be like, you're acting crazy. Something's influencing you. And here she was, like, the hippie 
you know. Uh-huh. And so she would like be going through my purse for drugs. I'm like, I don't even do drugs yet, but now I'm really curious about no, it. No. So that I'm worked out really well. But then she'd go to my music, she's like, What is this? And I'm like, and I go running out to the living room, grab her black Sabbath album, like, it's the same guy. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's young teenagers, so I'm like incensed. And she just stood there and just throws it on the floor and walks away. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. see, you don't know. Um my dad pulled me aside because he used to get an exercise bike and I had this is spinal tap on VHS, of course. <laughs> but he didn't know it was a joke. And so he just randomly started watching this. And so I got pulled aside by my parents who were very concerned about my heroes. <laughs> like we're really concerned about the people you're looking up to. We we watched this movie about oh a band called Spinal Tap that you're really into, and we're very nervous about you. I'm like, uh <laughs> It, well, it's actually a comedy. <laughs> but they were just like terrified that I was being led down this, this atrocious path. Final path. And I'm Cleveland, like, my son likes this? <laughs> I got busted for. Oh, so I told you we would record our burps. So once I figured out how to splice tapes, I was like, oh, yeah. cut out songs I didn't like. And I would do the special scotch tape yeah. thing. You know, oh, and so God. I was like in the splicing tapes. And then when I figured out, when I got my two cassette player, like you could overdub. And so I started making all these cool things. And so I was like putting our burp and we would like drink half a bottle of Dr. Pepper and try to like say the alphabet while we're burping and say, yeah. And this is hysterical when you're like 12, right? It's pretty hysterical when you're 51. (laughs) I mean, I still laugh when I burp. So I was splicing it in with like um, weird things from the movie, Weird Science and like, so my mom finds it one day because she's going through my shit, of course. We call her the FBI. And she's like, I come home from school. And she's like sitting at the table. And she does this. She pushes the tape towards me. Put it in the tape player. And I'm like, what, what is this? She's like, put it in. And I put it in. And I press play. And I start hysterical laughing. She's like, you think this is funny? This is music to you? And I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, and she started going on this rant, and, I, and I'm just like, okay, keep it together, hold it together. I'm like, Mom, this isn't music. We're burping, and I like taped over stuff from a movie. And she's like, yes, stuck in the head. I'm like, what? Maybe. <laughs> okay, but she thought I purchased that as a tape. Oh my gosh. And she's like, because I would decorate the tape. I would like get like um, yeah. white out and paint pens, and Mary would yeah. decorate the whole tape. And I like made my own insert for it. And she thought it was. She's like, this is this, this is this is not music. I'm like, yeah, no shit, it's not music. And you had to sit there and wait by the you had to wait by the radio for the song to yes. come on. And then jump across the room to try to get it. Now, view to a kill. I got view to a kill. They played it on the radio before you could get the album, before the movie came nice. out. Nice. And I had to run. I got it. And then went into um my friend's house and her older brother and I had a battle with two bucks. Who got it first? And I was like, oh, <laughs> ah, I Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That story is so similar to his uh, Spinal Tap story, though, when you think about That's it. That's what I was specifically talking about. I was like, <laughs> do they realize this is a joke? I kept looking at him like, how do you not find this funny? And then years later, she's classic with this. I end up finding it. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in or out of college. And I played it for her. And she's his, she's dying hysterically. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I told her the story. She goes, I didn't say that. I'm like, oh my god. Same thing, she would find my tapes and she was like Metallica. Okay, she's like, I put a poster on the wall and they had beer cans in their hands. Yeah. She's like, take that poster down. Look at these juvenile delinquents. And I'm like, 
pretty mm-hmm. sure at this point they're millionaires, but are cool with after right. this troll. <laughs> okay, cool, fine. And then she starts telling me she wants to set, okay, so she's going to send me to a therapist. And the whole thing is my metal music, right? This is the reason. And so flash forward to like 10 years ago, I'm with my ex-husband and we're with my parents. My stepdad is fucking awesome. And he's a Metallica fan. And she brings it up, well, you know, what, what changed you was when you started listening to that music. And I'm like, do you really know what they were singing about? My stepdad goes, actually, they're, they're, they're speaking out against addiction and they're speaking out like all this. And she's like, she just got quiet. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you could have read the lyrics like I kept asking you to, because then I'd bring it to the therapist and they'd look at me and go, okay. I don't see a problem with it. I'm like, can you tell that lady out there <laughs> that then, please? Because all my shit's confiscated. <laughs> that was being rebel back then, I guess. Nowadays, Nowadays, my son rebels by listening to bop jazz from the 50s. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's way into Train and Miles Davis, and it's awesome. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah. Like, who doesn't like Train? Doesn't but that's like what Davis. makes him strange and unusual, right? Exactly, yeah. so, but he rebels by listening to jazz. That's so. amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was thinking, like, how do kids rebel today? What do you rebel with, exactly? Because there, it seems like there's no filter on anything anymore. Well, it, it depends. I think a lot of it depends on uh, your parents too True. do you need to rebel against your parents or are your parents cool yeah look at my kids my kids are kind of you know, how do you rebel against this <laughs> <laughs> listening to death right, do they go to church on sundays by themselves yeah. <laughs> exactly. i'm how do you rebel when your dad is this <laughs> your dad's a fucking train wreck how do you rebel? <laughs> Well, don't drink. Oops. Yeah, I mean, what? I don't have alcohol. Will lead you nowhere. Oh wait. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! My parents apologized to me a couple years ago. Like, if we had known what you were going to do with alcohol, we would have been a lot calmer. I'm like, here you go. I would have loved to have gotten that apology when I got my Icon Award. I sent it to my mother, and I'm like, see, all those, all that crap you gave me about getting a conventional job. Hello, oh, and she just it went right over. Right. Like, all right, fine. whatever. <laughs> if we had known what you would do with alcohol, yeah. If we had only known. Oh, alcohol! I love alcohol. I love music. <laughs> yeah, they go well together. They go so well together. Well, this was a blast. Thanks, Paul, for oh, giving us a tour of the distillery yeah. and the warehouse. Yeah. And. Um, Next time we come through, we should do it in there to have a nice backdrop. It is a cool backdrop. It is a really cool backdrop. I'm super excited for your next release and your 10-year anniversary. That's really cool. It is a big deal. That's a really big deal. We're really excited. I remember the first year like going, wait, I survived a whole year (laughs) of this? Like nobody survived. I don't even know the numbers. It's like 98% of businesses fail in the first year. And then 99 fail within two, or so we made it to our year. I was like, wait, what the fuck? How am I still, <laughs> how are we still alive? And then the third year, I'm like, wait a second, we're one of the biggest companies in our category now. Like, we made it three years. Like, there's, we're doing pretty solid. <laughs> what the hell? This alcohol stuff might work out. <laughs> Um, and then you survived the pandemic, which is. And we survived the pandemic. Huge. We were doing, you know, obviously we've got room to continue to grow like everybody else, yep. but uh, 
uh, you got nothing to complain about. We're, we're hanging in, we survived, and really setting ourselves up to continue to bring more great whiskey to more great people yeah. for many years to come. Awesome. Well, what well, could you ask for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this was super cool. It was Thanks, cool Ed. to be on set yeah, all yeah. together, Thanks, not just on video, especially Ed. The two of us don't get to see each other once every couple of years. Yeah. Like, uh, well, we, 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 we're setting a pattern now, like every two years. <laughs> Let's be able to make it more Let's often hope I'm that. not moving. It's just visiting, please. Rain yeah. or shine or even a snowstorm. <laughs> or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I, I, about this time, maybe this time next year, you I can come, come down and see us. you in Florida yeah. and get away from all yeah, this. Yes, because Matt and I will be about 45 minutes away from each other. So I think that should be the new hub. Nice. Everybody can come visit down there i've got plenty yeah. of room right near the beach and we'll do our winter time recording from there <laughs> good deal i'm in i'm in all right cool all right everybody thank you for better rock and whiskey thank you so much Later, and uh, make sure you get a bottle of few and follow them on social media yes and, i'll um, just take these with me yeah i'll take these too okay here we go. all right okay. See bye you, <laughs>